Is it really just another dub? Keep going, Ethan. Why'd you stop? He stopped because he knows us. <laughs> Am I crazy or falling in love? We really just keep catching dubs. Hey. Oh, this, boy, is, baby. Is that David Archuleta? You know it. Okay, but full seriousness, song's still a banger. And it's like, he never did anything no else. Doubt. No doubt. Not one thing. Yeah, he was a one-hit wonder. I know, but like, most people still know that song, which is crazy. I think you can like, secure financial security through being a one-hit wonder. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Mariah Carey at Christmas. She is set. I love. mean, McKelly Culkin. She's not a one. Home Alone. That that gets her. Oh yeah, Culkin. Home Alone. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's lasted forever. His brothers. Every single year, his brothers are more successful movie star than he is, or actor, I should say. That movie star is a star is a strong, strong statement, but. Yeah. Who is his brother? Kirian Culkin. He was in uh, Succession. Oh. They, you, you, yeah, he's pretty you'll legit. Watch the show. You'll watch the show and you'll be like, oh yeah, he's he's related to Macaulay Culkin. For sure. Do you know Macaulay Culkin is married to Brenda Song? Yes, I did know that. London Tipton? Yeah. What a wild time. What a wild time. Did you guys did you guys know that Michigan just beat Alabama in the Rose Bowl? What? What? Are you serious? And did you know that Ohio State only scored three points in a New Year's Six Bowl against Missouri? Shut up. I don't believe you. I, You're lying. All those things coming up on this week's episode of... Big banter. If you love big hello and welcome, then you can't. Oh, and, yeah, we got to talk about this. You guys are so bad, gonna, bro. If you're, I'm gonna, so upset. If I'm you're so upset. Over the intro, we got to talk about this. I'm upset. So am I. I mean, so am I. I mean, this I could. I, want to start. I could edit it, and we start it, or we could just keep going no. like this. You know what? No, you know what? no, this is a muff really punt. This is a muff punt. And there was a lot of those yesterday. You know what? Yes, <gasps> we are going to have a winning episode and it's gonna be it's gonna be rocky, but once we get to the end, it's gonna be a winner. Yeah, we're gonna recover, just like Michigan did in that game. Just like Michigan did. And if you love Big Ten football, then you came to the right place. You came Welcome to the right to- place. Welcome to the No. <laughs> Welcome to Big Banter, everybody. Uh, the home of Big Ten football. Actually, not really. That's the Big Ten Network. We're we're the home of the three of us talking about Big Ten football. Uh, follow us on the socials, Instagram and uh, and Threads at B One G Banter, and then X B One G Banter Pod. Ethan Davidson, since I stole the intro from you, say something nice to the people. Ladies, gentlemen, everyone listening, we appreciate you. We love you. And sit back, relax. If you're a Michigan fan, if you're an Ohio State fan, if you're a Penn State fan, whatever it is, just kick your feet up, listen a little bit about 
Big Ten football. Obviously, we're going to dive into everything college football playoff. That's probably going to take up the bulk of the bulk of this episode. Um, but I do think as well, we'll get into that um, Ohio State. I, I mean, we'll get into it. I'll, I'll give you my my thoughts on it kind of as as we progress. Let's just start right now. Just get let's just let's just get the games that people played that didn't really matter all that much. Let's get that out of the way and then get to the good stuff. The things that everybody here came for, which is to crap on Ohio State. I mean, the Rose. I mean, whatever both. you came here. Both. Yes. The best of both, both. worlds. Both. B-O-A-F. Both. I want to, I want to do something that is fair. I, I, I'm going to take a moment here to do something that's fair. Boring. Because, Since when have you ever no, done time that? Time out. Time out. Time out. We have Ohio State fans who listen to this podcast. I I want you guys to comment. What where is your headspace right now with Ryan Day? I would be broken if I was an Ohio State fan. I would my mind would be broken right now. I wouldn't know what to think. I think if Ryan Day decided to take a job elsewhere, aka an NFL gig or something like that, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that question. I honestly think Ohio State fans would be okay with it. I really do. I saw them melting down on Twitter after that game. Melting down. There was a lot of talk going on after the Michigan-Ohio State game about how we should have been playing Brown all year, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cared when... um, What's his name transferred? I, I I just what is your future at quarterback right now? Because nothing was going well with Brown in the game. Rumor has it that they're gonna get Will Howard from Kansas State. That's that's today's hot off the press rumor. Which is like I mean, I don't think he's like he's a really he's a really good college quarterback I don't think he gives you that much more than Kyle McCord did to be honest maybe a little bit more athletically I don't know that's the same it's the same player truly like what 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 does will quarterback what does how either way do? quarter, quarterback is not the issue quarterback is not the issue Ohio State fans complaining about the quarterback position you had CJ Stroud for two years who's lighting it up on a horrible Houston Texans team right now and trying to carry them into the playoffs quarterback's not the issue you had an nfl quarterback when michigan was playing with Cade ne- Cade mcnamara who is uh, hey great dude uh, solid quarterback who did what he needed to do but he's not in the same stratosphere as cj stroud and you guys lost two in a row one to him one to jj i mean quarterback is not the issue it's a it's a philosophical issue it's a it's an it's a coaching issue. It's a coaching, it's a coaching issue. issue. Think about think about Michigan versus Ohio State the last three years. I I can pick out a a critical fourth down in each of those years for Michigan that they were aggressive, sometimes deep in their own territory on fourth down, and each of them led to touchdown drives. At least two of the three. I'm I'm trying to recall them in my head, but Ohio State. Think about this year, fourth and one at very close to midfield. Ryan Day said, no, nah, I'm going to punt. I think Ryan Day has coached a little bit scared in the Michigan-Ohio State game. He hasn't coached like he has a superior 
offensive talent and offensive scheme to get those done. And they and they give the possession back to Michigan. And Michigan takes advantage of stuff like that. I I really and this is from what I saw on social media, and I know it's not everybody. I hate to be one of those people saying everybody is saying this. There was a lot, and I mean a lot, because I scrolled through the comments of people who were saying, and these are Ohio State fans, Jim Harbaugh was right. We got a coach that was born on third base, and I want him gone. And I understand that there are very unrational thoughts that we have as fans when things like this happen. Okay? A la Michigan losing to Indiana in 2020. Like, just... (laughs) And we've come full circle because now we get to play Michael Penix Jr. in the national championship game, which is just absolutely absurd. But I think it was more justified for Michigan fans to want Jim Harbaugh gone. But here's the problem, and here's the caveat. I'm going to make the argument before both of you do because I know what you're going to say. Jim Harbaugh inherited a pile of heaping dog poop. He inherited the most run-down blue-chip program in the country. That is what he took on. Michigan had been run into the ground by Brady Hoke. And Rich Rodriguez. And Rich Rodriguez before. Actually, there's an argument to be made that Rich Rodriguez was one year away from I don't care. turning it around. I don't care what you say. And Brady Hoke did it with his players. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you say. You're wrong. It was the worst. It was the worst blue chip program in America when he inherited it. Did it take him longer than it should have to turn it around? One hundred percent. Yes, it did. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. You can really simplify this to a few things, which we've already covered. Ryan Day is not aggressive, and he plays it too safe. And you do not want a you do not want a head coach, a leader of your program, to play a game too safe when all of the cards, the chips, are on the table because you can't punt away a game like that. I saw the highlights the fourth and two call for the Rose Bowl for Michigan where they're on their side of the 50 and had all their timeouts and everyone's saying Ryan Day would punt in that situation. And you know what? That's not an exaggeration. I think he would because we saw it in the game at Michigan in a similar situation where he punted the ball away thinking that he he had what it took to bring themselves back in. If Michigan doesn't, if Michigan – And it's not – it's not an indefensible position to punt in that situation, right? Like Michigan fourth and two in their own half of the field. You've got all three timeouts with three minutes and change. It's not an indefensible position, but we've seen in modern day football, those positions pay off. Those aggressive decisions pay off a lot. But I think it's indefensible because we've seen it become a habit. This isn't a, okay, I'm not going to go for it here but I'm going to go for it there. We haven't seen a situation where Ryan Day has said, I'm going to pony up and I'm going to and I'm going to put this game into our hands right here, right now with one play. We've seen that on multiple occasions, on multiple huge games for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and he has failed to do that. He's he's failed to even try. You can't you cannot have that as a football coach. Now, I will say, in a place like 
a Penn State, winning all those games that you should win, being in those games that are toss-ups, and not getting to the end, that might be acceptable there. At Ohio State, it is not. And this is why we're seeing all of this hot seat talk with Ryan Day because the results of a 11-1 season or a, a, a 12-1 season or a loss in the college football playoff semifinal, that's not enough for Ohio State. When at Penn State, it is. But the horrible thing is, and here we go, Ryan Day right now is a closer head coach to James Franklin than he is to Jim Harbaugh. And that's a problem. That's scary. That is scary, but it is true. That That's such a crazy statement, but it is true. Because it, he is proving in the big games, not that guy. And listen, he's one year in a day or one year in two days removed from his field goal kicker costing him a national championship. Well, and I don't really think there's an argument to the contrary. No, there's not. There, I mean, he's. Uh, you could also say he's a year and a couple days removed from a Marvin Harrison Jr. injury costing them a football game, right? If he stays in there, so he, sometimes things just don't go your way. Michigan's seen that. Every big program sees that. But at the end of the day, it's a it's a results oriented business, and you got to find a way to get things done. Yeah, when things don't go your way, how are you going to find that find a way for them to get to go your way? Because things didn't go Michigan's way in in this game. They shot themselves no. in the foot. A little bit different, but they found a way. And right now, Ryan Day is not even putting himself in a position to find a way. Yep. All right. That's uh, just real quick. Honestly, that that's a perfect summation of it. Is the game that we're obviously about to dive into, but what Michigan overcame is what it seems like Ryan Day just doesn't have the ability to do currently as the head coach of Ohio State. Can he turn it around? Yes. I firmly believe he can. Will he? My my bet currently is on no, which might shock some people. But right now, I, I, I just don't think so. I just don't. I don't think he's that dude. And the, the talent pool in the Big Ten is only getting bigger and better. And yes, we're going to a 12-team playoff. Yes, Ohio State will be in that more times than not. But when you're talking about winning a national championship, competing for Big Ten championships and beating Michigan on a fairly regular basis, Michigan has re-elevated itself to an elite-level program. That's done. That's over. They beat you three years in a row. They won back-to-back-to-back Big Ten championships. They've been to the CFP three years in a row, and now they're headed to a natty. Michigan is back to being an elite-level program, and Ohio State is now the one tailing behind. Scenario for you gentlemen here. Plays out. Ohio State runs the table regular season up until the Michigan game. They somehow lose the Michigan game in their building again. They get into the playoff. They win a playoff game, but then they they don't make it to the national championship game. What happens to Ryan Day? Is he gone? I think he would I, I think at that point it would just be he moves on to something else. He'd go be an OC it, it, like in the NFL or which is a step down. Do not get me wrong. 
but I don't know if there's a head coaching job for him to take in the NFL. Um, either that or he takes a different head coaching job in college football. I no, I I think the I honest. I'm sorry, my cord is touching my touchpad to mute my voice. I apologize. Did you guys get what I was saying? No. I am very sorry. I was saying that I do not. Uh, I think in that scenario, he's he, he's done. I think he has to find something somewhere else. He maybe go be an offensive coordinator somewhere in the NFL, which I know is a step down. Or he takes another head coaching job at a different collegiate program. I think he'd get run out of town if he lost to Michigan again and didn't make the Big Ten championship game. And then, okay, you win one playoff game, but you still don't make the final four. Unacceptable. I, I, I really do think that way. Because I think that that is how high of a standard Ohio State has. All right. Safe to say we can probably wrap up the Ohio State talk, yeah? Okay. Let's get into the granddaddy of them all. So Michigan, Bama, Rose Bowl, college football playoff, Harbaugh versus Saban, Big Ten versus SEC, everyone versus Paul Feinbaum. This was what we all wanted (laughs) This is what we all wanted and waited for. And by God, Michigan pulls it out 27 to 20 in overtime. An absolutely wild game, roller coaster. Quick summation Michigan got off to a horrible start where JJ McCarthy threw an interception on the first play of the game, went to review, he was out of bounds. The, the DB was, I believe it was Kool-Aid. He was out of bounds and then didn't reestablish before he caught it. Michigan gets away with it. But then they muffed the first punt that Alabama punts to them. But Michigan's offensive line and, and defensive line seem to be dominating in the first half, and they have a three-point lead. Then in the second half... Michigan, Michigan was hell-bent on giving up the first touchdown in that game. They were like, we will start down 7 nothing. Oh, Absolutely. Because they muffed the punt, which led to Alabama's first touchdown. Then, I mean, special teams the entire game just was trying to give up the game for Michigan. They muffed two punts. One led to a touchdown. They missed a field goal off of a – it was a weird snap. Just the whole sequence didn't look right on that missed field goal. Then they missed an extra point because of a bad snap, too. Like, special teams could not have been worse. The punt, punt yardage was very mediocre. Um, and Alabama took advantage a couple of times, and Alabama end up t- ended up taking a six-point lead late in the fourth quarter. Michigan gets the ball back with about three minutes and change. Seven-point lead, 13 to, 13 to 20. Seven-point lead, thank you. Get, Michigan gets the ball with three minutes and change, their side of the field. They end up converting a fourth and two, which we were just talking about earlier on their own side of the field. They go down, they tie it, and in overtime, Michigan scores in two plays back-to-back Blake Corum runs. And when Alabama gets the ball, they end up with a fourth down from the four-yard line. And uh, Milrow... It was the three. It was it was fourth and goal from the three, yeah. Yeah, fourth and goal from the three. And Milrow, another bad snap, which that plagued Alabama all night long. Their center just could not fall. All season. 
if you've watched Alabama during this season, all year long, that's been an issue for them. So Milrow gets a low snap. He can't really read the defense because he actually did have a running back running out to the left for, for like a quick pass, for a quick out. He ends up just diving forward as best he can, and and the game was over. And Michigan runs out on the field and celebrates, and, and they finally get the monkey off the back of a CFP win, and they're going to play Washington in the national championship game. Um, Corey, explain what you were feeling watching this game. Did you go in confident or not? And how did your feeling about the game change as it went on? What do you mean explain my feeling? I passed out for two hours. I didn't see anything. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you the emotional fan side first. So I had a lot of people over for the game uh, just to close out the, the New Year's season. So I think we had almost 20 people in my living room. And then I didn't sit down the entire game and at one point someone put their apple watch on my wrist and uh, i had a heart i had a heart rate of 138 beats per minute (laughs) which is i I need help um so that's where i was at like running a marathon somebody said like you're at like fat burning like tempo right now this is insane Watching football is healthy, in fact. Correct. I will say, I mean, there was a part that my whole thing has been, if not this year, never for, for Michigan. So if you want to call that confidence, sure. I don't call it confidence. I'm just like, it's like a hopeful optimism sort of a thing. And it, 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 it's, it looked like for the majority of that game that Michigan was just going to hang on until something eventually unraveled like it had always done uh, in previous Ohio State games, um, not so much the, the first college football playoff game, but the, the second game against TCU where they stuck around, but then eventually they just made a mistake that, that cost them um, and killed their chances of anything. You got that moment when Alabama took the lead in the early fourth quarter. I think it was the first play of the fourth quarter, and then they went up by uh four and then it was almost cemented by that field goal that put him up by seven so there's four minutes to go in the game and i like i'm very much like calming down like defeated like it's it's happening again you know but then that drive holy because the drive is the story of the game if you watch any highlight from anything from espn to fox or or any short clip, the highlight starts with that drive. And it starts with that Blake Corum catch out open in the flat. And it starts with a huge play call and a huge opportunity to take a risk from Harbaugh and his staff. And they're rewarded for it. And what was crazy that that play wasn't even completely clean. The whole game wasn't clean. Something went wrong. And even on that play, Roman Wilson does a horrifically stupid thing with the block in the back. And not only that, he tackles Blake Corum because he gets in his way too. It was a double whammy. You get one good thing to go your way. You sustain the drive. And then you get an incredible, incredible catch from Roman Wilson to make up for that call. A la a Charles Woodson in the 97 Rose Bowl. There was a side-by-side of those two catches uh, that I saw. And then you get close enough to tie the game and you go into overtime. and it shifted. Michigan went away from the run 
in the second half of the game. But then once you get to overtime, no punts. So no one's going to muff a punt in overtime. You couldn't get away from field goals because that was a problem too. Um, but Michigan went back to their bread and butter, and they just said, here, Blake Corum, take this ball and run it down the field. Two plays to glory. And then once Michigan took the lead, it was like, oh, my gosh. They've overcome themselves. They've overcome these, these demons. And it took a long, long time. And those two timeouts felt like 80 years. But uh, there is a hole in my ceiling from my head when I jumped through it uh, after Milrow was stopped on fourth and three. So to sum it up, a roller coaster of emotion. But when Michigan got back to the thing that made them great throughout this whole season and in this game, they were able to do what they needed to do to overcome. This was a culmination of <clears throat> an entire year of – and listen, there's still one more game. I am by no means discounting how good Washington is, and Michael Penix Jr. is a problem. That's the best offense in college football. That 100% is. But it's a culmination of an entire year of – me thinking and me saying Michigan is the best team in the country. And I loved, you know, to always give you guys kind of the odds and what Vegas was saying and blah, blah, blah. And I remember when they made the jump, when they switched to being the favorite over, um, over Georgia. And from that point on, I really felt like, and have felt like Michigan should win every game. They step out on the field. And throughout the first half of that game, it truly felt like Michigan should have been up by two touchdowns. They played the way better half other than (laughs) the muffed punt, which gave away seven points. It felt like a game where they should be up by two scores going into half, and they were only up by three. Um, But that's the resilience of Alabama. That's the resilience of a Nick Saban-led program. And they aren't going to let you get away with making those types of mistakes. And they didn't. Um, But Michigan is such a good team and is so well-rounded and has so many playmakers. That defense in the second half stood on their head. They were on the field. It felt like Michigan was three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out the entirety of the second half until they got the ball on that last drive. And the defense just never broke, never wavered. It was absolutely incredible to see what those guys did. To only give up seven points when your offense could not get a first down. That I mean, they they deserve all that. I understand. And, and Corey already talked about it. He already talked about the last drive in regulation and everything that happened there. Unbelievable, and it was. But all the credit in the world needs to go to the defense for giving the offense that opportunity. Michigan could have easily been down by 10, 14, something. And no would have what no one would have blamed them for it. They just kept giving Alabama the football, and that Alabama offense has been phenomenal all year long. So <clears throat> Did Alabama give them some breaks, too, with the bad snaps? Yeah, absolutely. But Michigan returned the favor, you know, with the muff punts and everything. So missed extra point, missed field goal. It was craziness. But 
just an unbelievable performance and solidified my thought process of Michigan being the best team in the country. I went into this game extremely confident. Every single person who asked me about playing Alabama, you could tell that they had a look in their eyes of like, oh, what do you think about playing Bama? Because it's Bama. And Nick Saban. And I told everybody, I was like, the more I think about this game, the more I look at the numbers, the more confident I get that Michigan is going to pull out a win. And then the first play happens where J.J. throws an INT. And then it's not an INT. And my heart drops. And then I'm brought back to earth like, okay, we dodged a bullet. Uh, And then the second shot is fired. And it's a Samaj Morgan muffed punt that leads to a touchdown. Like, okay, we didn't dodge that one. And all of a sudden I start thinking, three years in a row that Michigan goes into the playoff and they just decide to play the game, their worst game of the season. I don't think that's an outlandish thing to say, that even with a win against Bama, they probably played their worst game of the year. They At their, least on their special worst game teams, of the year. Their worst game of the year was against Maryland. Maryland was the other game that I was thinking of. But in terms of one unit, just looking like it's it's, it's so out of sorts and so unprepared for the moment, their special teams spotted Alabama 11 points, almost directly from special teams. Muffed punt leading to a touchdown drive, a short one, missed field goal and missed extra point. There's your 11 points for Bama from special teams alone. And so as these mistakes keep piling up, I'm just like, are we going to rebound? We need something to go our way. We need the ball to bounce in our favor. Then the fumble happens. Milrow fumbles. And all of a sudden, I'm back. I'm like, we, we've we got this. That's what we needed. And they missed the field goal after the, after the Milrow fumble. And when I kid you not, they missed the field goal. I feel a little bit guilty for for. The, for, for the fact that this happened. But they missed the field goal, and I said, they're not going to do it. Out loud, I literally said, they're not going to do it. I said, the kids are seeing ghosts. I said, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And boy, did they prove me wrong. I think the story of this Michigan team, that's the best part about sports and best part about college football, is what is the story. The story of this team is they have an uncanny ability to focus and remain calm and poised under pressure, no matter where the pressure comes from, whether it's media, whether it's NCAA, whether it's allegations, whether it's a coach suspension, when you're ready for it or when you're on the plane to the game. And in this, and in this game, the, the pressure and the adversity was self-inflicted for the most part with their mistakes but nevertheless, when it mattered, they went and they freaking executed, man. They executed to outscore Bama 14 to 10, fourth quarter and, and OT combined. And 14 to 10 in the last, you know, three minutes plus OT, 14 zip over Bama. That's just an uncanny ability to block out everything that happened for 95% of the game and say, we've got some, we've got a chance. And we can go win this game right now. And this is why all these guys came back. JJ, Blake, a lot of the offensive linemen. These guys came back for this game, for this playoff, and they pulled it out. I, I'm over the moon, man. Over the moon. 
a couple of things that I do want to touch on. It, I, you really get to see how deep and how, I, I mean, it's no other, it's no other word than elite than when special teams play like so uncharacteristic and well, let's just face it terribly. They, they played terribly. That, that phase of the game was horrible. A good team might not be able to overcome it, but a great team has the other units that rise up and play at an exceptional level as a result of that. There's been Michigan teams in the past where if one cog in that machine was not working, the whole thing fell apart. That wasn't the same story. And I think that's where maybe a lot of like the nerves come from, like where you said out loud, they're just not going to do it. I, of course, being myself, would never say such a thing in my living room, and especially not 110 times throughout the entirety of this film. Never, never me, not once. You liar, you pessimistic liar. I don't you know sky is falling liar, Michigan I, football fan. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Can I, can I just say something? Never once did I say we don't have a chance or it's over or anything like that. I did say to my dad, I got to watch this game with him. He was up here on vacation from Florida. I did say to him, he, he's like, oh, we're just giving up, you know, because the defense started to give up some some bigger yardage plays and things like that. And I said, Dad, they're on the field. They're on the field nonstop. What, what do you expect them to do? I was like, they, our offense goes three and out on every possession. The defense is out there constantly. And he kind of nodded his head like, yeah, I guess you're right. But it wasn't a it's done. And I, funny enough, the drive when Alabama took over and Jalen Milrow fumbled, I said, we have to have a turnover on this drive. And then we got it. And then we missed the field goal. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, my gosh, come on. And then I did start to think in my head, I started thinking, well, this drive can't be anything more than a field goal. If they score a touchdown on this next drive, it is over. Mm-hmm. I thought that in my head, but that was the realistic scenario because you can't go down by two scores. So holding them to that field goal was huge. Um, and then it just felt like a different team that took the field on that last incredible. drive. It was incredible. The, the, uh, it felt like it felt like the offensive line was like, oh, wait, we're good at football. I forgot. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> and then it was like. Blake Corum, very first play, five-yard run. And I was like, oh, my gosh. We ran for positive yardage on first down. And then from then on out, even even the fourth and two, I was very up in the air whether or not I wanted them to go for it. But it was a fourth and two. It wasn't fourth and eight or fourth and nine Mm -hmm. or fourth and ten. It was a fourth and two. And it was like, of course, Sharon Moore has a play drawn up for – that's the, he said that was their two point conversion play for the game, if they needed it, um, which obviously they run as a two yard play as well, or probably a three yard play as well. He said they that they had that one in the bag, and he said we knew it was going to work. It was just when we were going to use it, and it was like, boy oh boy, did it work! And then Robert Wilson gets the block in the back, and it's like, even when we do something right at very next play, Roman Wilson makes up for it. I mean. One of the greatest catches in Michigan football history. That'll go down as. So, 
just along with incredible. along with the one-handed JJ McCarthy catch oh, on the double. Yeah, we haven't even gosh. talked about that at all. <laughs> in, in, in the midst of all of this, the, we that play just we didn't mention. Well, I, I, there, there's just so many plays that you're not going to be able to mention, but I think the totality of the game, and it's really funny because what have none of us mentioned thus far? Numbers, numbers, stats that the the Texas the Texas Washington game was nothing but stats. That's what that game was. It was filled with stats. This Michigan Alabama game this this was a football game. This was two teams leaving it all out on the field. Numbers didn't mean anything in this game. Numbers meant nothing in this game. It was about who was going to be the tougher team, who was going to outlast the other team. And Michigan came through with two drives back-to-back when their team got the football and just absolutely choke-slammed Alabama. And and it was, I felt like Michigan was the better football team the entire game, but shout-out to Alabama's defense in the second half because they made the adjustments and played much, much better in the second half. And I'm just so proud of those guys. Team 144. I, I I just if any of you happen to hear this or anything about this, I am so proud of you guys. You you guys are awesome, and I, it just I I felt when when we stopped Jalen Milrow on that play, I fell to my knees and I started bawling my eyes out because it was just like it was one of those moments where there was so much emotion that went into that game, so much heart that went into that game. And I, I just, I felt so good for those kids. It's like, I, man, I just felt awesome for the, for, for those kids. Yeah. And, and you know what? The coaching staff, whatever the coaching staff, what they did and didn't know and all that stuff. And the, the sign stealing scandal and everything. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about those kids, and they didn't know. And all they do is play football, and this is huge for them. I'm so happy for them, and I'm happy. I mean, obviously, I've been a fan for 30 years and just could not be. Uh, it, it's like, it, it, but it just feels like we get to <laughs> – we, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but we get to make little names for ourselves when we start the podcast and we each do something fun or funny every single, you know, podcast. And we don't ever tell you guys about it, but I made mine this time, this time one more because that's what Michigan's got. Michigan's got one more and it's for the rest of your life. Uh, and they'll never forget this. They'll never forget winning this Rose Bowl against Alabama. But one more and you cement your legacy is one of the greatest college football teams of all time. Yeah, one more is right. And uh, to your point, Ethan, this game was not about stats. It was about moments. It was it was about moments. It was who's going to show up in those moments, right? And we can go through the game from the first quarter to the fourth quarter and name each of them. There, there's the muff punt for Samaj. There's the double pass that J.J. makes a one-handed catch. There's the Jalen Milrow fumble. There's the missed field goal. There's Bama's two made field goals from, from 50. And then there's the the botched snaps for Bama that puts them in third and 20-something that forces them to give the ball back to Michigan. 
and then there's the two drives from Michigan, the Blake Corum run and the Roman Wilson uh, Roman Wilson catch. I mean, that's can't what leave out, came down to. Can't leave out Tyler Morris. Getting oh, you can't leave out Tyler Morris. Of this Tyler Morris of came out of nowhere, like looking like a track star on the field. He Man, he outran Bama's defense. SEC speed my butt. Tyler Morris just said, eat my dust. It was like the game for Mikey Sainer still against Michigan State. And it was like, who is this kid? Absolutely. Yeah. A uh, little bit of a personal note for me because you said you dropped to your knees and bawled when the game when the game ended. I was watching this game at my in-laws house with uh, with Grace and with Hudson. Hudson is my boy. Grace is my wife. And it was overtime was happening as Hudson needed to be put to bed. So Grace went upstairs because, you know, she knows the game probably matters a little bit more to me. And so I'm downstairs watching it. And as soon as overtime happens, I, I tell my in-laws, I go, I'm going to go upstairs and watch this with, with Grace because I knew she was watching on her phone. And so I go upstairs. Grace is holding Hudson, feeding him a bottle, and she's got her phone, like, balanced on her knee. I'm leaning down next to her on the bed that she's, you know, sitting on and feeding him on. The room is pitch black. It's completely silent. The phone on the volume is turned, like, way down. And we're watching overtime in silence as just a little family of three. And I'm leaning over to Grace just saying, one more stop, one more stop, just get one more. And then they do it, and Grace and I look at each other, and we can't say anything, but we're just smiling ear to ear and hugging each other, and like, like core core memory for me uh, as a dad, and just to be able to watch that with my family. And you know what? Whenever people tell tell me that, like, oh, you know, it's just a game, it's just a team, it doesn't matter. Like, I I get what they're saying, but it's not it's not the game for me it's the it's the it's these memories it's doing this podcast with you guys it's watching with my wife and my three-month-old but i'm going to be able to tell him one day that you watched the rose bowl you you were there you were listening when when michigan beat alabama to go to the national championship and it's just just so cool man college football is so special it's just i i love it it was such an amazing night dude that yeah i those are those are what make all these moments in sports the best. It, like you can look back at the games, and be like, "Oh yeah, that was awesome." But then you look around with the people with or around you, right? I didn't have the opportunity to be with my family for this game, but I, you know, I had a room full of people, room full of my friends, you know, love and appreciate me, and they were just even some Buckeyes in the room. They were like, they were happy, like to, to like see this, you know, kind of unfold. But to your point, it's something special when it's a family thing. And that first game against Ohio State where they finally got the monkey off their back and, you know, exercised those demons. I remember when my sister and I, we were on the field and we were looking back for my dad because he, he couldn't he couldn't storm the field. And so, like, we see him and, like, we're doing, like, the way – like, that was – it was one of those moments that felt, like, so much bigger than the moment that had actually happened because, like, we all got to watch it together. So, like – that these types of games are stepping stones for even greater memories that happen. And, you know, we're going to remember where we were for that first Ohio state game. We're going to remember where we were uh, for the, uh, maybe even the second Ohio state game with the, the two touchdowns. And we're definitely going to remember where we were for the 2024 Rose bowl. And that is an incredible, incredible feeling. So Michigan's going to the national championship. 
Um, and we will we will quickly go over the rest of the games when we're done talking about this. But let's be honest, this is this is what this sport all leads up to. This is for all the marbles. So we'll spend a little bit more time on this. Uh, Paul Feinbaum, he comes on Get Up this morning. I made sure that I was watching to see if Paul Feinbaum made some time to come on ESPN this morning because he didn't have to your Ohio State game. He gets on there. And Mike Greenberg asks him straight up, Paul, if Michigan wins the national championship, is it tainted due to all the scandal and the sign-stealing stuff? And Paul Feinbaum, who raked Jim Harbaugh through the coals, who raked the Michigan program through the coals, who who made as big a deal out of the sign-stealing stuff as anyone on the planet, he looked at Mike Greenberg and he said, Mike, it will not be tainted. He said, I got a chance this week to be around this program. And he said, I don't know if I'm just flying too close to the sun, but I got to see what those kids are about. And he said, those kids didn't know. And he said, I watched them go out and they and they just played great football and they won a game. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But, but Paul Feinbaum himself came on national television and took back something bad that he said about Michigan football. If that's not a Christmas miracle, if that's not a great way to start out the new year, then I don't know what is. The last time I heard him do that was 2021 when he had said, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh will never beat Ohio State before the game. And then they won that game and he came on the next day and kind of walked it back and was like, I'm very impressed by Jim Harbaugh, blah, blah, blah. But it's always good to see Paul Feinbaum eat crow because, you know, I've said some things about, you know what, since he walked back what he said about Michigan, I'm going to walk back what I said about Paul Feinbaum. Paul, I appreciate what you said. I don't think you need to go live in a dumpster or a ditch. So <laughs> I think you I think, I think I think he's much those, worse than that. <laughs> I think you also said he needed to pass away. <laughs> well, well. He doesn't need to do that either, at least not now. He does look pretty old, though. But he can stay in his nice, cozy, I'm sure it's a very, very nice house that he has. Um, But no, in all seriousness, I I, I want to get your guys' take. I, I, are we ready to move on into getting prepared for Washington? Yes, let's do it. Because uh, here, here's where I'm at. <clears throat> and... I want to get your guys' take. I I, I kind of have a question for each of you. Um, and I, I'm I'm gonna start with you, Corey. When I look at this Washington football team, I see the best offense in college football, bar none. I see a team that has risen to the occasion every single time it's been asked of them. I see a team that, in spite of not having the best defense goes out there and plays and makes plays when they when they are needed on defense, a la both games against Oregon, a la the game against Washington State, a la we just saw them break up a pass in the end zone to solidify the win in the national semifinal. It just feels like Washington, every time something has been asked of them, they have a player that is elite enough in Michael Penix Jr. to get that job done. What scares you the most? And I don't mean, oh, well, obviously it's Michael Penix Jr. 
what what scares you the most about Washington as a team? What it what is it that you look at Washington and you say like this is what worries me the most about Washington when you think about playing them in the national semifinal it, or in, in the national championship, sorry. It's what has scared me the most about Michigan State for this past decade. They are the poster child of the Big Ten with a chip on their shoulder. We're disrespected. Nobody expects that we're going to do anything and we're going to go out there and prove it. I mean, you heard it in the in the post-game like trophy ceremony from, I, I can't remember who, I think it was Trice uh, they were interviewing. It's like, everybody's doubted us all year. We've been underdogs, blah, 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 blah. And we come out, we show, we stand on business. He said, we stand on business. So I, you can say that when you stand on business. And that's what Washington has been doing. They were, they were a 10-point, almost a 10-point underdog in their conference championship game against a team that they had already beaten this year. Talk about some disrespect, and they take that disrespect and they just take it to a whole nother level. And we have been saying it throughout the entirety of this year, watching this Washington football team, and I, they made their way into the bonus picks outside of the Big Ten picks this year because they just continued to find a way to win. That's what scares me the most. I would say on a secondary level, Michael Penix, yes, he's going to sling the ball around a a bunch, but another aspect that really hurt Texas in this game, he was able to use his legs. And you know me, that scares me. Because if you have this Michigan defense who is rough and tough and you have to worry about a dual-threat dynamic quarterback, now I don't necessarily think he's an exact dual-threat, but he will be capable of using his legs. And if Michigan is in perfect coverage, you still have to be aware that he could tuck it and run and do something with it. So the the team that had given fits to Michigan outside of Ohio State for the better half of this decade is the mentality of this team that you're going to play in the national championship. So that scares me a lot. No team has won more games this year as an underdog outright than Washington. So just something to keep in mind, Alex, for you, I I have a little bit of a different question and I also want your take obviously on Washington. When you were watching that semifinal game, I I want complete honesty here. What was going through your mind and who were you wanting to win for Michigan to play in the national championship game and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Well, full transparency, I put money on Washington plus the points. I just figured they would keep it close much closer than people thought they would i thought i thought four and a half was was too much um but in terms of who i wanted to win i will say before the game before the game i thought i wanted it to be washington because of what everyone says about texas's talent now you know now the now the wins and the results are starting to match the talent on the roster obviously texas is a very recruiting rich part of the country so it's easy for them to get those high profile guys but but then i started but then the game happened and you know washington 
Washington has the equivalent of a of a pitcher with just an unhittable fastball. Like he, they've got to go to, and I know Corey's just flabbergasted that I used a baseball reference. Baseball reference by Alex Day on the pod. I know, I know, shocking, I know, but but Washington has something that they can go to every single time and say, "Stop it!" Just we have to force you to stop this because we might be the best in the country. We are the best in the country at doing this. And I don't think Texas has that. And I don't think Bama had that either. They didn't have one thing that they really hung their hat on. And, and, and so that's what worries me about Washington. So as I was watching the game, I started to change my opinion on who I actually wanted to play. I think I would have rather played Texas after watching it. I 100% would have rather played Texas. No doubt about it. I, I think I think the way Michigan matches up against Texas, they are much like I thought they were against Alabama, to a greater extent, better in all three phases. I think Michigan is just a better overall team than Texas. Michigan is not better offensively than than Washington. Washington is the best offense in the country. So Anytime you're going up against a team that has the best group at something, that terrifies. That that, that should terrify you. And listen, it's going to be that. <laughs> it's not going to be all all roses. It, no pun intended, because we just won the Rose Bowl. But it's going to be tough. That game is going to be tough. And it's going to be um, and we'll and it's going to be strength on strength. Michigan has the second ranked passing offense, and Mich- and Washington has the number one ranked. Sorry, reverse. Michigan has the second ranked pass defense, and Michigan ha- and Washington has the number one ranked pass offense. So this is not like like the thing about Texas was Texas's weak spot on the defense was their secondary, and everyone knew that going in that Texas was weak in the secondary. Michigan is not. Michigan has dudes. They even to a certain extent limited Marvin Harrison, right? And that's without Will Johnson for 100% of that game. Now, Marvin got his, but he didn't take over the game. Is Washington going to be able to to get enough in the pass to keep Michigan's defense honest in the run game? And this is the other thing, too. We've talked about the last couple of years, Michigan winning the Joe Moore Award and that offensive line being a huge difference maker. Guess who won the Joe Moore Award this year? Washington. They have the best offensive line in the country. And Michigan just put Jalen Milrow in a body bag this week. And that created a huge advantage and was a huge factor in keeping Alabama's offense at bay until Michigan can get going. Michigan cannot afford to allow Washington to get up two scores early in this game and be forced to play catch-up. So is Michigan going to be able to generate enough pressure to keep Washington at bay? And can they limit the pass offense enough so that they don't have to change their defense completely to be like, all right, we can't rush any because we got to put too many people in coverage or we got to send the house because they're because Pendix has too much time. Can there be a bit of balance in this chess match between Michigan's defense and Washington's offense? You know, it's kind of funny because we basically have two Big Ten teams in the national championship this year. I mean, is, yeah, they're going to be two Big Ten teams next no, year. Two Big Ten. No, this year. Two Big Ten teams in the national championship on a game that is played on ESPN. 
they're gonna have to they're gonna have to gawk over <laughs> two Big Ten teams uh and their lowly SEC yeah. conference is nowhere to be seen. Well, I don't I, I don't think Kirk Herbstreet has any issue with that. Um and I'm pretty sure he hates ESPN at this point. Like he just he's locked up with a contract and he made his bed and he's got to lay in it, but it is what it is. But in, in all seriousness, looking at this from the Washington perspective, I, it, which I did this with Alabama too, but I didn't talk about it on the pod and I wish I would have because I was going to ask you guys the same question. Looking at it from a Washington perspective, I would be, I just try to think, what would I be asking myself? What do we need to do, you know, in this game? And if I was a Washington fan, the biggest thing I would be worried about is what do we do when we don't score on every drive or we don't even score on two of three drives or we don't even score on, you know, two of four drives? Can we win one of those games? Because so far, the answer has been you haven't had to this season. They have not won one game where they have not scored on at least 50% of their drives, I believe. Maybe the Washington State game. But they they score. Their offense comes out and they score. And then their defense gives up a bunch of points, but it's okay because they score. And they keep scoring. And they keep scoring. If I was a Washington fan, that is the question I would be asking. Can we win a game where we maybe only score on 30% of our drives? You know? And that's going to be tough because the one weakness Washington has is – Definitely their defense. So where are you guys, if I were to ask you, what is Washington's biggest fear coming into this game? Where where would you be with that? We'll start with Alex. I think their biggest fear is not being able to keep Michigan off schedule. Like if Michigan on offense, on when Michigan has the ball, I think if Michigan – can remain on schedule on offense, it is going to be a long, long night. Because against Bama, you saw when Michigan had a poor first down play, it really screwed things up. And it really put Alabama's defense in a huge position of advantage. If Washington cannot hold up early in downs and keep Michigan behind the sticks, that is going to be a big, big problem for Washington. I'm going to say something that I want. I don't want to be misinterpreted because Washington's offense is incredible. They are, their level of where they can run the ball is nowhere near to where they can, what they can do through the air. Uh, I think their number one running back, who, by the way, sustained a pretty significant injury, which almost cost them the game at the end of the game because it stopped the clock and gave Texas a chance to drive down the field. He averaged two and a half yards a carry. Okay, I have preached this entire year. One-dimensional offenses are going to bite you in the butt at some point. I think I really do think Washington is going to, if they want to win this game, they're going to have to figure out a way to rattle off some big run plays because not only does that give you two dimensions to your offense, but then that opens up things to your strengths. Okay. 
if Michigan is going to put so if they're going to beg you to run the ball on them because they're not going to let you, they're not going to let you have those huge plays that you did against uh, Texas. Now, albeit Michael Penix made some of the greatest throws I've ever seen in a college football playoff game. Those were the tightest of windows, uh, 50-50 balls that went everybody's way. They were perfect placements. And then the receivers, uh, to, to return the favor, were like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to pick up the pace here, pick up the slack. That was, it, was, it was a master class of a pass air raid offense. I, I just don't see it could, it can happen again. I don't see it happening at that level. So they're going to have to be able to figure out some things on the ground because otherwise, oh boy, um, I don't know what's going to happen, but one dimensional offenses, no matter how good you are, uh, will hurt you. I, I, and I just want to make a comment on one of the things that you said because I very much agree with you. I don't think they need to run for big plays. I think they just need to run. They need to set up second and six, third and four, those types of plays in the run game. If they can do that, I think they'll be very successful in the game. So I don't think they need big run plays, but they do need to be able to get four and five yards on carries to get them into position where their passing game is almost unstoppable in those types of situations. And I think the good thing for Michigan too, I think they, I think they should feel a little bit, I shouldn't say comfortable, but when they were going up against Milrow, they hadn't seen a quarterback like Milrow before. They've seen a quarterback like Michael Penix and his name was CJ Stroud. Like think of the strength of those two guys, arm talent, ball placement, accuracy, limited athleticism. That's Michael Penix and that's CJ Stroud, 2AT. So does Michael Penix have all the ability in the world to absolutely just take over a game and and will Washington a win? 100%. But Michigan's seen that quarterback before. So do they have the total presence, the total package on defense to force Washington into, you know, must-pass situations? And Michigan doesn't have to be on their heels and questioning what's coming. And they can sit back and they can just play play the coverage they want to play, know what's coming, and keep Penix and, you know, Odunze at bay. So we'll see. Um, we're probably not going to record again, so we need to pick this game. Absolutely. Because this is happening in six days. You got it. So right now, let me pull it up. I think the last time I checked this line was at four and a half. It, yeah, it opened at four and a half, and it is still at four and a half. Okay. So Michigan, minus four and a half in this game. Oh, who? I mean, does anyone want to go first? Do we have any volunteers in the room? Corey Shane sure. said no. There we go. Ethan. Yeah. Mr. Vegas wants to go, go first. first. I will go first. Um, I think this is a game. Oh. <sighs> I think this is a game where the issues that Washington has can finally be illuminated to a level that has not been seen so far this year. They have not played a defense. And the same can be said. Michigan has not played an offense to the level of Washington, but Washington has certainly not played a defense to the level of Michigan's. 
And I just, I think that at some point, Corey is right. You have to be able to be multidimensional, especially against a team that just doesn't make mistakes like Michigan. And I don't mean on special teams because we saw what happened there. But Michigan, they don't give you penalties. They don't make dumb plays. They're on time and on rhythm defensively. And it 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 just, I think in a spot like this, I think it's going to be too much. I'm going to take Michigan minus the four and a half. I think Michigan wins by a touchdown or more in this game. I think they pull away late. I think it's one of those situations where you kind of see a frustrated Washington team because I, we haven't seen them when they get out of rhythm. We haven't seen them when they're not moving the ball efficiently on every drive. And I think that might get into the psyche of this team a little bit. And I think Michigan ends up pulling away late. I think they win by a touchdown or more. I'll take Michigan to cover the number. Corey and I are just waiting to see who unmutes first. I guess it's me. God, it's so funny because as Ethan was talking, I was flipping the pick back and forth in my head. I can see this going either way because you're right. The Washington hasn't played a defense like Michigan, but Michigan hasn't played a wash an offense like Washington. Like Washington is top 10 in total offense. And I just went and looked the, the highest ranked team in terms of total offense that Michigan has played Ohio state at 47 and Washington's at 10. So there's going to be a little bit of a wake up call for both of these teams in that aspect. I do I do want to say I trust Michigan way, way more on one week of prep than I do on three weeks of prep. I don't know what it is about this team and this staff. For some reason, when you give them too much time off, they show up like they did yesterday, and one side of the ball just looks like they took a vacation for three weeks instead of actually practicing. So I do trust Michigan a lot more on one week of prep than I do three. But, man, Washington just – they have found a way in every single game to to win. Obviously, they're undefeated. But, you know, they had to play Oregon State in the rain and, and manage to come out with drives when they needed them. It's really hard to count this team out because they've – They've been out-talented a lot this season. They've gone up with teams with superior talent, and they've and they've won every single time. They keep proving Vegas wrong when they're underdogs. I was planning on taking Michigan minus four and a half. I am going to take Washington plus the points. I think they just are one of those teams that they find a way to – to stay in these games despite the odds. I think the running back injury is a huge factor. I'm going to take Washington plus the points, but I am going to take Michigan to win the national championship. I think they're a more complete football team. I think Washington most likely losing their number one running back is a bigger loss than people might want to say. And um, I just think Michigan's a more well-rounded team. I'm going to go with Michigan. Man, you caught me at a bad time because I'm 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 high on I'm high in the sky with feelings of bliss and man, 
I'll I'll bring it back down to earth. There are two to the to all the people out there. I've been drinking champagne during this episode, so that's that's how much we're treating ourselves. Ethan is shirtless, popping bottles. Don't let him understate what he's doing right now. <laughs> Incorrect lies. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Shirtless, champagne everywhere. He is soaked. My wife listens to this podcast, as does my father and mother, so you guys need to relax. Those things are not true. Okay, whatever you say. Your wife has the bottle of champagne and she's spraying you down right now. What are you talking about? (laughs) What a beautiful picture we're seeing in, in front of us as we speak. There are two teams this year that I have been spot on with in picking and that is i believe you check the numbers which alex has refuses to do for the past month and a half but the numbers the numbers will be done this week okay praise the lord the michigan wolverines and the washington huskies those are the two those are my best two team picks teams so i it's almost like we've been studying these teams leading up to this moment for forever on Washington, there's nothing else that has that I can say that hasn't been said by these two lovely gentlemen, co-hosts, and brothers in Christ that you get to listen to every week. And they are a team that has embraced the underdog, the chip on their shoulder, and they've come out on top. Talent, no talent, gritty, not gritty. And they've done it. Michigan. We've talked a lot about it as this team of destiny and getting this monkey off their back. It's been season after season of that. Something else happens that brings this team to another level. They get clo- they get blown out in the college football playoff the first time they're there. They lose a game they shouldn't have won, and now they've slayed the giant in Alabama. They've beaten the best to then have an opportunity to be the best. I'm going to focus this on Michigan because – you saw after three weeks what happened. They shot themselves in the foot over and over in this game, and yet they were able to overcome it. You saw the nerves and the uncharacteristic play of this Michigan football team throughout this game, but yet we're still able to do that. I think that's out the window in the national championship game because they have been able to get past themselves and get over this hump. They've gotten to the spot where they said that they were going to get to all of these players. Why are you coming back? Because we want to win a national championship. Why are you coming back? Because we want to win that college football playoff game and then bring a national championship back to Ann Arbor. They are one step away. And from the beginning of the year, we were saying this team just feels different, and they're going to have a chance to prove that on Monday night. So with that, I gave you not much synopsis there with stats. Michigan is going to win this football game, and Michigan is going to cover this four-and-a-half-point spread, and I would be shocked if Washington wins this game by a blowout. I I mean, you can't be surprised by anything that happens in a national championship game. Washington only wins this game close. They do not blow Michigan out. That does not happen. I would I would be dumbfounded if that happened to this Michigan team because of the the level of play that I just saw this defense play. 
they were they were hung out to dry and they had their best performance. I think they the most sacks they had in any game this year was in the biggest game of the year for them in the Rose Bowl, which was insane. I think the secondary that let's be real wasn't tested all that much in the Rose Bowl is going to get a chance to show them what they got. Are they going to throw to Will Johnson? And if they don't throw to Will Johnson, they've got plenty of other options that are going to, you know, have their take at it. I just, I just don't, I don't see a way. I don't see a way where Michigan gets to this game and does not win this game. And maybe even convincing fashion. It's taken this long, boys, to get me to this confidence level. But like I've been saying, if not now, it may never be. Michigan wins the national championship and they cover this spread. We need we need Ken to uh, place a little wager on Washington. I have to. T- I'm texting him right we now. Gotta, we got to keep that train going. Um. Anyways, <laughs> real real quick. Uh, <clears throat> I guess not necessarily a stat, but just something that I saw and thought was pretty stinking incredible especially in the landscape of college football right now and everything that's happening just to show you the the true level of teams team togetherness teamsmanship whatever you want to call it just unbelievable there there were six five-star quarterbacks in the 2021 class JJ McCarthy is the only one on the team that he committed to with Michigan. The other five are no longer with their teams. So Michigan has done a phenomenal job of keeping their players together, staying unified, and I think it's going to lead them to a national championship in six days. I just got nervous. I feel like for the first time since they won last night, it has hit me that they're playing for a national championship in six days. Six days from now, it's 1130. We will know who the national champion is. I don't know if that's necessarily true. What time does the game start? 815? Yeah, it'll probably it'll be close to done. Yeah, how many media timeouts are they going to have for this thing? Uh, I was going to say, did you watch either of those semifinal games? Fair enough. Um, we might... We might not know, but we'll be close. I'll be, I, I tell you what, I, I think my, I think I'll be sweating at 1130 in six days. I think my, I think my pants will be soaked with sweat, with sweat, with sweat. Oh. The way your wife just looked at you when you said that. She's very glorious. I said that. I was trying to find a funny way to deliver that. And it's, so <laughs> can you hear her right <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely. We can. <laughs> I'm sorry. Grace Day. Grace Day on the pod for the first time ever. Her dad listens to the podcast. That's unfortunate. Says, oh, yikes, because I'm not editing that out. <laughs> oh, Corey, do me a solid, please. I don't know what you're talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, we have absolutely loved bringing you Big Ten content all year long. Obviously, we will have a wrap up episode after this, regardless of what happens in the national championship game, because the Washington Huskies will be a Big Ten team next year. We will have off-season content diving into 
everything with the new teams coming in and all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned, follow us on the socials. And obviously, thank you so, so very much for listening. We love you all. I just want to say one thing that I don't think I have said very often on this podcast, but I'm going to say it right now. Go blue, baby. Let's win an Annie.